Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to the Serial Killer Podcast, the podcast dedicated to serial killers, who they were, what they did, and how. I am your Norwegian host, Thomas Viborg Thun. Several months ago, I made a promise regarding covering a Nordic serial killer. Well, the show has far more downloads than Norwegian and Swedish citizens combined. So, it's high time I took you on a journey to the frozen lands of the north, the Nordic region, Scandinavia. In other words, join me in the land of Ikea, long winter nights, long summer nights, blonde beautiful people, and the bastion of social democracy. I am, of course, talking about my homeland's biggest competitor, the land of Sweden. In the hardship years of the 1930s, things were rough in Sweden, as in most of the West. To make matters worse, there was a string of murders being committed under mysterious circumstances. When the man responsible was caught, Five human beings had been murdered. The man called himself Turnman, an anagram formed by the English word manhunter. And this is his saga. This episode is brought to you by my very dear patrons. As with the last several episodes, it is 100% sponsored ad-free and I could not do this without their support. Running a podcast that publish every week is not free, so 
If you wish this show to continue to produce quality content, feel free to visit theserialkillerpodcast.com slash donate. Any donation is very welcome. If you wish to attain extra privileges as a producer of this show, I have made many tiers available to you. I will, for example, write you a personalized thank you message, and I will personally call you and thank you for your generous contribution for only $50. I really want this podcast to continue being free of charge to anyone who wishes to listen. You can help with that. Consider this, as Sam Harris says, If you can afford a cup of coffee at a coffee shop, can you perhaps spend that amount on this show? So, again, visit theserialkillerpodcast.com slash donate now, if you wish to contribute. It was a dark and freezing night near Västerås, Sweden. It's located on the shore of Lake Mälaren in the province Västmanland, some 100 kilometers west of Stockholm. Taxi driver Sven Eriksson did not like the trip he had just accepted. The person who had called to order the taxi had hesitated when asked for his name and only reluctantly gave Gottfried Eriksson for a name. In this area in Sweden, this sounded very much like a fake name. There was a bakery near the Westeros town square, where the client was calling from, and its name was Gottfried's Bakery. As Sven was walking to his car, the dispatcher Ivar Björman jokingly called after him. You can always hope it turns out to be a no-show ride. Those were the last words Ivar ever said to him, as no one saw Sven Eriksson alive ever again. The body was discovered on the morning of the 15th of November, 1930, under the Serbu Bridge just outside the small town of Sala, Sven Eriksson was shot in the neck with two bullets, execution style. I feel I need to explain something regarding this, as I so often end up explaining how murders are even more painful than one might imagine. Being shot is, naturally, for the most part extremely painful. If the bullet strikes anywhere other than the heart or the brain, death is a slow process where one usually either bleeds out or drown in one's own blood. In this case, Eriksson was shot twice in the back near his neck, while the killer was sitting behind the taxi driver in the back seat. Since Eriksson was shot in the back, he was rendered immobile immediately from a severed vertebrae. However, he did not die. The killer had dragged Eriksson out of the car and dumped him into the river. 
it was later determined that the cause of death was neither blood loss nor trauma, but drowning. The local police was at a complete loss. There was no apparent motive. The police actually found, in today's value, several thousands of kronor, the Swedish currency, on the victim. Thus it was no murder for profit. It was highly unlikely the killing was an act of revenge or other personal issues, since no one knew that it was Ericsson that would end up getting the order for that particular taxi trip. The local newspaper, the Sala Alhonda, wrote that either the killer was insane, or he must have had an unexplainable motive for the misdeeds. On both counts, it turns out, was the paper fairly close to the truth. However, no one suspected a pale, skinny, and asthmatic shop clerk from Sala named Sven Emil Sigvard Nilsson, or Thurneman, as he later changed his name to, an anagram perhaps made from the English word manhunter. Some scholars argue that this is pure speculation, however, and that even though Nilsson could speak English, he was far more fluent in German, and he simply liked the German-sounding Turnmann better than his own rather common Nilsson. While growing up, his teacher, Ingeborg Olsson, barely remembered young Sigvard. She described the boy as slow, lax, and a introverted child. He was pale and rather pathetic-looking. When asked questions in class, the teacher struggled to get a word of reply from the boy. During recess, he never participated in the other children's games, preferring to simply look on, with a sarcastic sneer on his face. Even though Ingeborg Olsson did not remember much about Sigvard, he remembered her very well. In later interviews, he talked of how she had been his teacher in Swedish and history. She had used to read his essays aloud to the whole class, berating him and encouraging the class to laugh at how poorly written they were. This was, according to him, how he started to resent school, withdrew into himself, and spent more time daydreaming than actually paying attention. The young Sigvard sought refuge in the supernatural. He invited the few friends he had to join in on experiments involving hypnosis and telepathy. In his attic room he had a crystal ball, and he covered the lamps with red scarves to create the proper mystic mood. To complete the scene, he burned incense made from caramel candy, sandalwood, and the herb henbane. Hinduism, yoga, and everything Indian was high fashion in Sweden in the 1920s. A few years before, in 1913, the Swedish Academy awarded the Nobel Prize in Literature to Randranath Tagore from India. 
The summer of 1924 turned out to be a pivotal moment in Sigvard's life. He said in a later interview, and I quote, That summer I got to know a Danish magician by the name of Andersen at the exhibition restaurant in Sala. Andersen had come very far in his training and knowledge of India's ancient yoga systems. It would prove an important turning point in my view on what results you can achieve from hypnosis. End quote. Again, according to Turnemann himself, Andersen thought he was a natural talent for the supernatural and mystical. Turnemann said the Danish magician gave him money to buy books on yoga, hypnosis, and magic. Turnemann explained that he who mastered the art of yoga could transcend the material, leave the body, and travel the universe. You did not need food. A few cordons of rice a day was more than enough. Anderson, said Turnemann, was living proof of that. The soul was immortal. Death was nothing to fear. Killing people was not wrong, according to Turnemann, because you actually did them a favor by freeing their souls from the material plane. Stealing was also not wrong, as you simply redistributed something material, which was an illusion anyway. And so began the murderous gang known simply as the Sala Gang. Turnemann recruited members to what he called the Magic Circle. They were outsiders, just like him. Two of them were the lame electrician Erik Hedström and the one-eyed radio operator Rulan Abrahamsson. They signed contracts and swore oaths of silence and obedience to Turnemann. If they refused, Turnemann said he would hypnotize them to commit suicide. He told them that the Dane Anderson was one of the circle's leaders, and that the circle's methods were infernal. To cultivate a sense of immorality and crime, the young men watched gangster movies such as Night Ride or movies about the Mafia in Chicago. But it was not just Indian mysticism, hypnotism, dark arts and yoga that influenced the young men. The whole Western world and Sweden had entered the Great Depression by the late 1920s, and by 1933, one in every eight citizens in Sala got aid from the local poorhouse. A job was suddenly the most sought-after thing in the world. Or money, anyway. No matter how you came about it. The gang idolized outlaws such as Al Capone, and according to Turnemann's own warped yoga teachings, murder and robbery were no sin. The new members of the Magic Circle never saw Anderson, or the other supposed leaders. But Turnemann reassured them that he did indeed receive orders from them. The killing of the taxi driver Sven Eriksson was only a test, and the upper management now demanded a bigger score. 
The 6th of September, 1933, the local Sala newspaper wrote, and I quote, A terrible fire tragedy occurred on Tuesday morning in Kölfosch at the Labor Office Roadworks. A two-story building that served as office and residence for the construction manager and his housekeeper burned down to the ground whereby construction manager Axel Schellberg and his 20-year-old housekeeper Karin Holmberg died in the flames. End quote. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have our burdens to bear, dear listener. And as a man, I was and am often told to suck it up, keep calm, and carry on. Normally, good advice in many situations. But never talking about what bothers you is not healthy. Therapy is great to get things off your chest, to vent, and best of all, to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Everyone needs someone to talk to, even psychopaths, even your humble host. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash serialkiller today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash serialkiller. The fire occurred the day before payday. When the police opened the money safe, they found remains of charred paper. They thought the amount of ashes were little, considering the amount of bills that were supposed to have been there. The autopsy of the two victims confirmed the police suspicions. The local newspaper could three days later report that a terrible crime had occurred and that the construction manager had been shot from behind. The police stated to the Swedish nationwide newspaper, Dagens Nyheter, that the double homicide was one of the worst crimes in Swedish criminal history, and that the police unfortunately did not have any clues or suspects. Meanwhile, Sigvard Turneman, 
did not rest on his latest success. He dreamt of robbing the National Trade Bank's main office in the center of Stockholm, Sweden's capital city. However, as with many other things in his life, it never came to fruition. Just after New Year in 1934, the police in Sala got an anonymous letter. It suggested that Sigvard Turnman and Rulan Abrahamsson was behind the double homicide in Kölfors. The author, one Jöte Hedlund, knew many in the gang following Turnman, and he warned the wife of Erik Hedström, a member of said gang, by saying, and I quote, Try to keep Erik away from Sigvard as much as possible. Sigvard has a lot of devilry in him. End quote. The police, unfortunately, did not take the letter seriously. It was probably carelessly lost during the investigation, as the police were unable to retrieve it later on. This gave Turnemann and his Sala gang the opportunity to plan something they hoped would be the perfect crime. Matilda Blomqvist was known as an oddball. In her small house, just outside of Westerfernebo, she collected everything. In today's society, she would probably have been known as a hoarder. Every room in her house was full of cardboard boxes and various bags filled with trash. Among all the mess and trash, it was rumored that Matilda had a lot of money, at least ten to 15,000 kronor. In today's value, at least half a million kronor, or around 65,000 US dollars. On the evening of the 11th of October 1934, Turnemann got his gang together. In his car he had a drill, a red rubber hose, flashlights, handguns and fake license plates. They set their headlights towards Westerfernbu and Turnemann casually said they would, and I quote, give the bitch some gas. When they arrived at her little house, they drilled a hole in her wall, pushed in the red rubber hose, attached the other end to the car's exhaust pipe, and started the engine. A couple of hours later, they shone a light through the window. Everything seemed quiet. They then broke in and ransacked the house. They found two bank books and a wallet. Before they left the cabin, they set it ablaze by lighting the curtains and the wallpaper. When Turnemann, as the last to leave, left the living room, he threw a glance towards the cot where Matilda was sleeping. She was lying there, with her eyes wide open and looking right at him. Later, he stated that this image haunted him for many years. The autopsy of Matilda's charred corpse concluded that she had died from carbon monoxide poisoning. This is actually not a very painful way to die, 
The victim, especially if sleeping, breathes carbon monoxide instead of air and simply dies in their sleep without ever waking up. This way of dying is very common among people dying in fires, and the Swedish local pathologist concluded that nothing indicated that a crime had taken place. Thurnman had apparently committed his perfect crime, except for one, to Thurnman, very important thing. The wallet they had taken from Matilda had only contained six kronor, about twenty-six dollars in today's value. In 1935, Turnman's father's clothing store went bankrupt. The family villa in Sala, with all its household goods, was sold at a foreclosure auction. Turnman and his family all moved to a small apartment in Grevgatan 30 in Stockholm. Turnman actually tried to show some responsibility by starting a business to support them but the business was a homeopathy store, and far from a success. Soon, the family was kicked out again. His growing financial troubles did not lessen his dreams of making a big criminal score, especially his dream of hitting the National Trade Bank's main office on Vasagatan in the city center. It was supposed to start with a diversionary action against the city's main post office. The plan was to plant bombs inside the post office, somehow set the fuse and leave anonymously without anyone noticing. After the bombs going off in the main post office, the gang would then use the ensuing chaos to head over to the bank, kill all the employees there, and grab all the money they could before leaving. It was truly an ambitious and brutal plan. None of it came to fruition. The Sala gang managed to steal getaway cars, two of them. Before heading to Stockholm for their big score, they had some unknown business in the small town of Straw, 245 kilometers to the south of Sala, Along the way, they stopped a bank courier named Elon Pettersson with a money shipment and tried to take the money. Elon, the courier, thought otherwise, grabbed the bag of money and started to flee over the nearby field. This was in broad daylight with several witnesses not far away. This did not seem to matter to Turnman, as he simply shot the courier in the back as he was fleeing. He grabbed the bag of money and actually did manage to this time take away a substantial amount, about 20,500 kronor, almost 90,000 US dollars in today's value. Neither Turnemann nor his gang ever got to use much of their loot. By now, Turnemann had killed five people. Six people had witnessed Turnemann kill the courier in cold blood on the summer field. Just before this latest murder, Turnemann had recruited a young man called Åke Vidlund to join his gang, with promises of making him rich as long as he and, here I quote, 
did not mind offing some people. Wiedlund had thought joining the gang was interesting, but he said he didn't want to kill anyone, so he passed on the offer. When Wiedlund read about the murder in the field, he realized what a terrible mistake he had made associating with Turnemann and turned himself in to the police. And so it was that on Midsummer Night's Eve in the year 1936, Turnemann and four of the other members of the Sala gang was arrested. The four gangsters were sentenced to life imprisonment doing hard labor. It's important to keep in mind that this is Sweden, and even though the criminal justice system sometimes was a bit stricter back in 1936, life in prison did not mean an actual whole life tariff. The four gang members that were convicted only served between six and ten years, doing hard labor in prison. For Turnemann, it was another story. Due to his depraved actions, his nonchalant talk of how killing was nothing much, and certainly not immoral, and his many claims to no black magic and mysticism, he was deemed mentally unfit to stand trial and thus criminally insane. He was sentenced to forced psychiatric treatment, with the judge writing that to protect society, Turnemann should never be released from psychiatric care. However, again, this is ultra-liberal Sweden, even back then a radically more lenient country concerning criminal justice than most other countries in the world. After 30 years in psychiatric care at Seter Insane Asylum, yes, that is what it was called back then, he was deemed cured and ready to rejoin society. He never gave a good reason for the five people he killed while receiving treatment. In one of the journals from the Insane Asylum, dating from the 22nd of July, 1958, one can read as follows. The patient does not consider himself to be dangerous. He considers the murders he committed as the sort of youthful mischief that are akin to boosting a car or reckless driving. End quote. Turnman did confess to two additional murders, but most scholars consider this to be lies and boasts in order for him to feel important again. The Swedish police spent considerable effort in tracking down the mysterious Danish magician Andersen, the man Turnemann called the leader of the magic circle that had started the whole criminal affair. The closest they got was the Danish magician Karl M. Andreasen, he had performed in Sala in the 1920s. He could vaguely remember a young man approaching him after his show, asking several questions. He said he had told the youth that he could indeed have the talent to become a hypnotist, but that was the first and last time Andreasen ever talked to or saw the young man. 
during the last decade of his life. Turnemann lived and worked using his childhood name Nilsson as a translator in the Stockholm suburb of Abrahamsberg, where he also died shortly after his 17th birthday. He had been very skilled in Sanskrit and had already collaborated with academic researchers during his time locked up in the insane asylum. Officially, he was to be buried at the Northern Churchyard in Stockholm. But he was instead secretly buried in his birthplace of Sala, in accordance with his last will. Turnemann's ashes were scattered in the memorial grove at Sala's new cemetery. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. And so ends the saga of Turnman, the serial killer behind the Swedish Sala murders. Next week I will bring you another tale from the world of serial killers. Maybe even someone you might have waited to hear me talk about for some time. So, as they say in the land of radio, stay tuned. I have been your host, Thomas Weiborg Thun, and this podcast would not be possible if it had not been for my dear patrons who pledge their hard-earned money every month. There are especially a few of those patrons I would like to thank in person. These patrons are my 17 most loyal patrons. They have contributed for at least the last 18 episodes And their names are Sandy, Maud, Amber, Anne, Charlotte, Christina, Claudette, Evan, Jennifer, Joe, Lisbeth, Mickey, Philip, PJ, Sarah, Kerry, Russell, and Troy. You guys really help produce this show. And you have my deepest gratitude. Thank you. As always, I thank you, dear listener, for listening. Please, feel free to leave a review on your favorite podcast app, my Facebook page, at facebook.com slash theskpodcast, or Reddit. And please, do subscribe to the show if you enjoy it. Thank you. Good night and good luck.